Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Church in the summer, nothing like it. Nothing like it, I'll tell you what. Um, I have a question for you. Have you ever had a, maybe like a test or an evaluation that you had to prepare for and you were just wildly unprepared for it? Anybody else? <laughs> Happens quite often. But a little uh, fun little tidbit about me. When I was in college, um, I worked at the local Olive Garden, okay? I think we got a picture up. There I am. <laughs> Man. Smiling on the outside, crying out, desperate need of help on the inside. <laughs> I loved Olive Garden. I loved their food. I loved their brand. Every, everything's great. But it was one of the worst experiences of my life, okay? <laughs> I was a full-time student at Southeastern University. I was working full-time at Olive Garden. I don't even know why I was working full time. Like I was doing okay. I was just like killing myself for no reason. I was working full time, working night shifts to make it all better. So I'd get home really late. It's like 12. I got to play like a couple rounds of Fortnite. So then I would stay up really late. And I'm getting up at 11 a.m. I'm going to my classes, taking a little power nap. And then I'm back at the garden. Like this is my everyday routine just serving endless soups and salads. My dinner for about a year and a half was literally breadsticks. I was always just greasy. I was always greasy, malnourished, and it was just, it was a dark time in my life. You need to pray for your Olive Garden servers. You gotta pray for them. But to make it all worse, I had this boss, this boss named Neri, okay? Not Barry. Not Larry, Neri, and this guy was something. He was just evil. He was not a nice guy. He was one of those leaders who's like, we're gonna operate with a spirit of excellence. And he didn't put up with any crap. And he was just so mean. But I remember for the first couple of months, I actually didn't have to like deal with him that much because I started off as a busser. So I was just like wiping tables and stuff like that. And he was the head boss over all of the uh, servers. So with the first couple of months, I'm kind of chilling, but I'm like, man, I actually want to start serving. So I'm like, oh gosh, I got to go talk to Neri. I got to go gain the approval of Mr. Olive Garden himself. This is going to be so difficult. So I, one day I finally must have the courage. I'm like, hey, Neri, what's <laughs> Mr. Neri, how you doing? I'm like, I think I want to be a server. Like, I think I really got what it takes. I think I'd be a great asset to the team. He's like, I don't know, McGinnis. Like, I don't know if you got what it takes. I don't know if it's in you. And I'm like convincing him, like, Neri, I got this. I'm like, I'm bought in. I, I can do this. And I, I finally convince him. He's like, all right, we can put you through training. But I'm gonna tell you one thing. You have to memorize this menu. You gotta know it like the back of your hand. You gotta know what dish pairs well with what wine. You gotta know how to describe the wine. You gotta know what it tastes like, what it smells like, what is it, what's the ambiance. You gotta know 
you gotta know this menu like the back of your hand. And I'm matching his energy. I'm like, okay, Neri, I got you. I won't let you down. I'm all in. I'm all in with the garden, okay, Neri? I'm with you. I won't let you down. But on the inside, I'm like, there's no way. There is endless amounts of pasta and noodles. We have so many different wines. Like, I cannot memorize all this. Like, I've been a busser for a couple months now. Like, I should, I should be good. Like, I know enough to get by and, and kind of learn as I go. Like, I'll be fine. So I, I've been training for a couple weeks. And then I'm, I'm about to, to get on the floor as a server. And um, one day I hear Neri calls me on the radio. He's like, hey, I'm going to meet me in the back. I'm like, okay, oh, goodness. So he's sitting in the back of the restaurant, and he's sitting at a table. He's like, all right, take my order. And I'm like, oh, dear God. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Can I, like, walk up first? Okay. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Neri. Can I take your order? <laughs> He's like, I'm your customer. Don't call me by my name. Start over. I'm like, okay. goodness gracious. Like, good evening, sir. Can I take your order? He's like, yeah, you can. Uh, tell me about your specials, actually. I'm like, okay. Well, if you look at the menu, the, the, the four specials are right there, clearly described that goes through everything, right there on the menu. He's frustrated. I, I feel that part. And later, he's like, all right, I'm thinking about getting the tour of Italy. What wine do you think would pair well with that meal? And I'm trying to think of any wine that I've ever heard of in my life. I'm like, you know, if it was me, I would, I would probably go with the... Pink Moscato, you know, it's, fr it's fruity, refreshing, a little robust, um, very palatable. And he's like, Case, you have no idea what you're talking about, do you? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm sorry. I have no idea what I'm talking about. He's like, I can't have you as a server right now. You have to know this menu, dude. And I was so embarrassed, and I like, had to learn the menu. And I did. And a couple weeks later, um, I finally passed his little test and I became a server. But I tell that story because as believers, we are in a battle. We have an enemy whose entire goal of existence is to destroy your life and everything that God has planned for you. If we're not prepared for this battle, we're not going to live a victorious life. We're going to live a very defeated life. There's a lot of us who think we're strong enough. We know just enough to get by. We don't have to prepare for this battle. And it's just not true. It's not true. Ephesians tells us we need to pick up our sword of the spirit. We need to get in the word of God. We need to know what it says. We need to apply it to our life. It's the only weapon in our arsenal because it's the only weapon that we need. And Jesus actually shows us how to use this sword and a story that we're going to read today. And before we do that, I want to break down. We have three translations for the Word of God. And it's really important for us to understand them. So I kind of want to break them down before we get into the story. We have tr three translations for the Word of God, if you're taking notes. One, we've got the graphe. This is the actual copy of the book, the written form right here. So if you got a book, um, words on it. It says the Holy Bible. That's the graphite word of God. It's the text. Right. And we got the 
Uh, we got the logos. We got the message of the writings. When you go to church, when you hear the word of God preached and you understand the meaning of scripture, maybe you're just reading in your room, you, you understand, you get a revelation of, of scripture. You've experienced the logos word of God. You get the message from the graphe. Now, logos is very powerful, but it's not the translation that was used in Ephesians 6. The translation he was using was the rhema, word of God. This is the utterance, a word that is spoken or declared. I'm gonna explain why it's so important to understand which, why it's so important to understand which word was used here, because Paul says the sword of the spirit is the rhema word of God. It's the declaration, the utterance. It's the graphe that gives us the logos, but it's the rhema that allows us to combat against the enemy. When it comes to spiritual warfare, you cannot simply rely on the graphe word of God. You can't even rely on the logos word of God. Your understanding of it, you need rhema. Why is this so important? Why do we need the rhema word of God to combat in our battles? And we'll look at Hebrews 4.12. It says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit. When you get the message and you're not just carrying a book, the word is alive and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. There's two edges on it because it's twice spoken, once by God, which makes it living, once by us, which makes it active. We don't give life to God's word, but we can make it active in our lives. God makes it living. We activate its power in our life. So when we read the word of God, we gain an understanding. We believe it. We begin to proclaim it. It goes to work on our behalf. The promises that are made in the word of God become promises that are made to you. When you speak the word of God, it begins to cut through things. It cuts through any lie or temptation or sin that the, the enemy is gonna throw your way. It cuts through things. It cuts through any anxiety or worry that has a hold on you, any stronghold, it cuts straight through it. It's alive and it's active. Even looking, taking a look at the beginning of the world, God didn't just create the world by thinking it into existence. What did he do? He spoke. He said, let there be, and there was. He spoke it. God's word is living. We make it active. If you're content with just having graphite, you're content just having a Bible on your nightstand, in your car, on an app, on your phone, that's fine. But you're not going to be able to use that in combat. You're not even going to be able to use your logos. You can come to church. You can receive the word of God. You can gain an understanding of it. But the Spirit is saying, unless, unless you are using a rhema word of God, you pull out your sword of the Spirit, you're not going to be able to fight your battles. You got to declare it, God's word. God's word never returns void. We actually have a story in the Bible Jesus shows us how to do this. He shows us how to properly use the rainbow word of God to overcome and demolish every lie and stronghold that the enemy's gonna throw at you. So if you're reading with me, uh, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter four. And I wanna start in verse one. 
Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Just real quick, I just wanna point out, we got Jesus, Son of God. We got the devil, Prince of Darkness. We got good versus evil. We got heaven versus hell. I'm expecting some crazy battle between these two. But what do we get? A conversation (laughs) where the enemy is gonna try and get Jesus to believe a lie and sin. This is what we call spiritual warfare. I don't know what idea you had about it, but this is spiritual warfare. This is the only tool that the enemy has to take you out. He's the father of lies. He can't come and physically hurt you or physically kill you, but he can come and whisper a lie to you. He knows if he can get you to sin, he can get you to kill yourself. Because the wages of sin is death. Sin, that's, that's, the, that's what happens when we live a life of sin. It's slowly but surely, it's killing us. So he's trying to get Jesus to believe a lie and sin. We read of the verse two, Jesus is hungry. 40 days, no food. Brother is famished, as, I would, as you would think he would be. And he's weak, he's vulnerable. Stop laughing. I'm trying to read scripture. <laughs> and the enemy says, if you really are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. How does Jesus respond? He doesn't get into this long debate or dialogue on why he can't do that. He simply says, it is written. Again, I want to remind you, talking about Jesus, son of God, so much more powerful than the devil. And we see Jesus using the word of God to overcome the enemy. If Jesus, all powerful had to use the word of God, what makes us think that we can, we can fight the enemy in our own strength, in our own power, in our own knowledge? Jesus is showing us you don't have what it takes but I'm showing you how to fight your battles. I'm showing you how to stand firm and fight off the attacks of the enemy. I'm showing how you fight and combat in spiritual warfare. Jesus, he was hungry, and the enemy gave him a counterfeit solution to his problem. And Jesus is like, wait, I've read about this before. I've seen this in Deuteronomy 8, when the Israelites were traveling through the wilderness, and they were hungry. They're calling out to God, please provide for us. And he provided through a supernatural means. What the enemy is going to try and do is provide worldly means. He said, turn this stone into bread. And Jesus is like, hold up, I've seen this before. I got, I got a rhema word of God for you. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. When the devil heard, it is written, he couldn't say anything else. So he went to a different subject. He took him to the top, in the next verse, he took him to the top of the temple. He said, jump off. He said, jump off. So when you jump off and you land on the ground like Superman, everyone's gonna know that you're the son of God, that that jump didn't kill you. Isn't that what you want? Don't you want people to know 
that you're the son of God? And Jesus responds, it is written, thou shalt not put the Lord God to the test. Devil, you're telling me to test God, but his word says, don't test me. I don't know what you want me to say. That goes against what is written. I can't do that. I can't do that. It goes against the word of God. The devil has, he has one more attack up his sleeve. Like, all right, didn't get you the first two times. I'm gonna try one more time. Like, this is gonna do anything. He takes him to this very high mountain. He says, look at all the kingdoms and their glory and their splendor. He says, all these can be yours if you just bow down and worship me. I'll give you power. I'll give you fame. I'll give you fortune. You do all of these things. You just live for me now. Doesn't that sound good? What does Jesus say, I'm so sorry, but I got a rhema word for you. It is written, worship the Lord God and serve him only. He said, worship you. What, what, is, what does the word of God say about this? He doesn't just think what the word of God says. He actually says what the word of God said. He opened up his mouth and he said the word of God and what happens next. What happens next is verse 11, the devil left him and angels came and attended him. I hope you get this. The devil left him. He pulled a wane whenever he sees a dog. He fleed, he fleed. Why, because he's allergic. The devil is allergic to the word of God. He doesn't stand a chance. He has no defense to the word of God. He flees away. He doesn't understand a chance. Like Wayne with a little puppy. He's a mess. He doesn't have any defense against it. Some of you in this, this place this morning, you're like, man, I just feel like the enemy is not leaving me alone. I feel like I'm, constantly fighting this battle. Why can't I just overcome? Why can't you just leave me alone? It's because he knows that you won't say it is written. He knows that you won't pull out the most powerful weapon that you have in your arsenal to take him out. He knows you won't use that. He's gonna keep coming at you. He's gonna keep giving you the same lie, the same temptation, and he knows you're gonna fall for it every single time. why Ephesians is telling us to pull out the sword of the spirit and combat. It's not as hard as we, as we make it to be. It's very clear in here. It's a sword of spirit that allows us to walk in victory and freedom. Freedom is available to you today. I know what the lie is telling you. I know your track record, track, track record isn't great, but victory and freedom is available to you this morning. The more God's word is in our heart, the more likely we will to draw on it when we need it. When Satan is throwing temptations at Jesus, he isn't like, hold up, that's a good point. Let me pull up my scrolls real quick. I got a word for you somewhere in here. Nope, not there, not there. One second, one second. No. He had the word of God in his heart. He had spent time studying the graphic. He had received divine insight on the word of God. And he was ready 
the rhema word of God. I believe is what the author of Psalms 19 understood when he, when he wrote, I have hidden your words in my heart so that I might not sin against you. If I don't hide your words in my heart, I don't stand a chance. I don't stand a chance. Jesus immediately responds to the lie and temptation that was thrown at him. Bobby talked about this last week. You're not responsible for your first thought. You're responsible for your second thought and your first action. We want to take captive every single thought and make it obedient to the word of God. It doesn't line up with the word of God. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to speak it. I'm not going to listen to it. If it does not line up with the word of God, it's got to go. I got to replace it with the truth of God's word. Think back to the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were in the garden and the serpent comes and he begins to, to, to say lies to Eve. What does she do? She lets the, the lies linger in her mind. She begins to question God's word. And then when, when she speaks back, she misquotes God's word. She doesn't know God's word. She doesn't know what he said. We gotta know what his word says. Something I will never understand is um, people's fascination to snakes. Okay, I will never understand it. It's, it's demonic, everything about it. <laughs> but one snake in particular, have you ever seen people like taking pictures with a little boa constrictor? Like they're not putting their life in jeopardy. They're just like, <laughs> I'm like what? are you thinking? That is literally idiotic. Because if, if you let a boa constrictor linger too long and it begins to wrap around you, that's literally how it takes out its prey. If it gets you in a hold, you literally can't do anything. It begins to choke you out and take your last breath. And you can't do anything about it. When the enemy speaks a lie to you, if you let it linger in your mind, if you don't shut it down, it gets stronger. It begins to wrap itself around your mind. Suddenly you're doing things that you would never do. It becomes too strong for you to resist it. And what, what are you doing? You're sinning. You're sinning. The less control you have in your mind, you're consumed to the point of sin. You gotta take captive every thought that enters your mind and make it obedient to the word of God. And I'll have the band come up as I close here. Um, something that I tried in uh, young adult service one time. I'm gonna try it again here. So if you're there, get over it. But um, I want everybody in this room to count to 15 in your head. Like one, two, three. You know how to count. Count to 15 in your head on the count of three. One, two, three. Go ahead. Now say your name out loud. Say your name out loud. There you go. What happened? Did you keep counting in your head? No. Your brain had to shut down to hear the words coming out of your mouth. I believe this is exactly what Jesus is telling you to do this morning. 
Man, he's telling you, take captive your thoughts, bind them in the name of Jesus and make them obedient to my word. It's time to start memorizing some verses. It's time to start preaching to yourself. You take authority of your mind with the words of your mouth. Preach to yourself, rebuke the lie, speak truth and proclaim victory. Some of you, some of you right now, you're in this wilderness season and you're frustrated because maybe you're not doing anything wrong. Maybe you've been following Jesus, you're doing all the right things, you're going to church, you're getting in groups, you're practicing your daily disciplines, you're trying to be who he's called you to be. But it seems like you're just fighting a battle after battle after battle and you're getting frustrated. I just wanna remind you, what happened after Jesus fasted for 40 days? He faced a battle. He had to fight off the temptations of the enemy. Just like I had to be tested before I become a server, God's gonna test you and I so that we can one, be strengthened for our calling, and two, so that our true condition can be revealed. Our true condition can be revealed. So maybe you feel like you're doing all the right things, doing what Jesus asked you to do, but God is saying, I think you're still, you're still struggling with, the, with this temptation. You're still believing this lie. You're not living in truth in this area. There's parts, parts of you that are not surrendered to me. He's gonna keep giving you the same test over and over again till you learn to overcome it with the word of God. Jesus, after this temptation, he walked straight into his purpose. He began to change the world. What's on the other side of that battle is purpose. It's your calling. God is preparing you. Don't waste this wilderness season wishing it away, staying frustrated. God is saying, I've given you everything that you need. Take my word and get to where you need to go. There's a calling, there's a purpose on your life. There's a battle on the way, there's a test in the way. Take my word and get to where you need to go. We gotta change our mindset when it comes to this, this idea of facing battles and temptations in our life. God's not trying to, out to hurt you or to harm you to make you struggle, man, he just wants to prepare you because he has such a great calling on your life. But if you don't know the word of God, if you haven't hid it in your heart, you can't sustain what he's asked you to do. Because it said the devil, he fleed, he went away, but just to come back for another time, another opportune time. He's not gonna just leave you for good. He's gonna keep coming at you. If we're not ready, if we're not standing firm with our sword of the Spirit, He's gonna take us out. We have the victory, but it's our job to stand firm. We're in a place of victory. We got the high ground. But we don't realize that. We don't acknowledge that. We don't stay prepared. He's gonna catch us slipping. The enemy wants you to stay trapped in sin. Why? Because he's scared of your potential. 
He's so scared of it. He's scared of you tapping into the power and authority that is available to you right now. Right now. That's what he's scared of. So he's gonna keep coming at you with every lie in the book. Now that we know that, we gotta call it out. No, you're not taking me out of my purpose. I'm not letting go of the power and authority that's been given to me. I'm gonna walk it. I'm gonna walk in it every single day of my life. I'm gonna keep my sword of spirit on me at all times. For some of you, I just wanna ask you, do you wanna be the same person you are now in three years? Fight the same struggle, fight in the same battle? Do you wanna be the same person you are right now, living a defeated life? guess it's no. So if that's the case, we got to stand firm. Um, you guys can stand in this place. And I have, I have a couple questions I want to end the service with. If you're in there in the, this morning and hearing about this holy God, you're hearing about the word of God that, that fights for me, that gives me power, that gives me authority against the enemy, this God who loves me, who died for me, you, didn't, you had no idea this was available to you. Maybe you made a decision when you were young to follow Jesus, but it never really meant anything to you. Like, what's the point of being a Christian? If I'm bound to sin, if I'm bound to my flesh, what's the point of all this? If you wanna give your life to Jesus today, if you wanna rededicate your life to Jesus, today with all eyes closed in this room heads bowed I just want to ask you to take a courageous step and raise your hand in this place on the count of three acknowledge that you desperately need a savior you want to grow in your relationship with, with, with the Lord you want to stop letting the enemy cause you to live in defeat if you want to make that decision to put your trust in Jesus on the count of three I want to ask you to raise your hand one Two, three, anybody in this place want to put their trust in Jesus this morning? Accept them into your heart. This next question is for all of us. If you want to be a Christian that actually does what they say, actually lives out the message that they proclaim, that actually wants to experience victory in your life, that wants to let go of every stronghold that has been held so tightly for so long. If you want to, if you want to experience that today, which is, should be all of us, because enemies after all of us, would you just raise your hand in this place? I want to pray over you this morning. God, right now, I pray for every single hand that is raised. I pray that you, right now, you would comfort every heart that is burdened by sin, every heart that has been frustrated, wondering where you're at. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, where they begin to experience you in their life like never before. I pray for courage and boldness to rise up against the enemy right now in the name of Jesus embolden us to do the work of your ministry and embolden us to, to, to walk in freedom and victory in Jesus name 
Amen. We're about to sing some songs full of the promises in the Bible. The promises made in the Bible and our promises made to you. So we get to sing this out full of faith, full of expectation. Can we, can we sing with some conviction this morning? Can we sing with some faith this morning? Let's sing this out. Surely your goodness. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.